to be here tonight. Thank God for the good singing and I thank the Lord for this opportunity. We'll do our best to give you what God has placed on our heart and then to get right out of the way. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn tonight to the book of Esther. Turn to the book of Esther. And if you don't mind, just to keep your Bibles open uh, to this book, we are working our way as quickly as possible to the 8th chapter. And um, we'll go ahead and pray real quick and ask God for His blessing on the reading of His Word. You can remain seated tonight if that's all right. Um, we're going to try to, if God will help us just in a few short moments, just to give a quick overview of uh, what is taking place here in the Word of God. Uh, we know that the book of Esther is a common passage of Scripture, um, but I believe in the days that we're living, Scripture is becoming less and less common. And um, it's amazing how as the people of God read our Bibles um, in, in such a short manner, uh, we skip over a lot of the golden nuggets here in the Old Testament. And I believe God has something for our hearts tonight. And so please pray with us and for us that God would enable us uh, to deliver what He's put on our heart. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I do thank You. Lord, for the privilege to stand here tonight. And God, I do not deserve, Lord, uh, this opportunity. Lord, I surely, Lord, I deserve to be in hell is where I ought to be tonight. Father, I ought to be stooped in, in false religion. Lord, I ought to be on my way to hell. I ought to be under the judgment of God. But I sure am thankful for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I sure am thankful, Lord, that somebody cared enough, Lord, Oh, God, about my great uncle and gave him the gospel. And Lord, I don't know whether he read it, but I'm thankful Daddy did. Father, I thank you for letting me be raised in a home. Oh, God, with Bible preaching and Lord, the gospel lived out in front of me. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being raised, Lord, in an atmosphere where the word of God was taught and respected and preached. And Father, Lord, I ought to be lost tonight, but I thank you, Lord, for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray, God, that in your mercy, Lord, you'd help me, Lord, to expound briefly, Lord, these uh, short passages of Scripture. Father, I pray that Christ would be glorified. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Father, I'm nothing. Please, Lord, guide my heart, guide my mind in Jesus' name. Amen. And the passages here in the Word of God in the book of Esther... God's been burdening my heart uh, for several weeks out of these chapters and talking with a dear brother last night uh, at supper time and uh, mentioned a thought that he had heard recently out of the 8th chapter and boy God just kind of brought me back here to these passages out of the Word of God and I'll try to share with you what he shared with me in the closing uh, portion and that's really the message uh, but just a few things here as we look through the book of Esther by the time we get to the 2nd chapter you know it is amazing how that throughout this book the the name of God is not mentioned. But it's, it's also amazing how you can see the hand of God working on every page. And you know there's plenty of times when the news commentators do not do reverence to our Savior do they not? But I'm glad we can see God working and opening doors even in the dark day we're living for the furtherance of the gospel. I'd say here in chapter 2 and this is just a couple brief thoughts as we overview the book leading to chapter 4. It, chapter 8 rather as quick as we can but in the second and the third chapter uh, I believe that we see an account 
of the effects of compromise. I believe we see an account of the effects of compromise. God tells us in the second chapter in verse 5, uh, given some of the lineage of this man named Mordecai, he tells us that he was one of the sons of Kish and, and, uh, or that he was one of the great grandsons of, and he was a Benjamite and he was from that same family line uh, that King Saul would have been from. We get over to chapter 3 and we see this man named Haman, the Agagite. We see that most likely Haman was of that same line of King Agag. You remember how that uh, Saul did not do the full and complete will of God. He did not completely obey the command of God to go and kill Agag and to kill the Amalekites and destroy them. And so we see the effects of compromise. This account shows us that if, if we fail to take a stand in our day, dear friend, those down the road from us will pay the price. If you and I compromise in our homes, if we compromise in our churches, if we compromise in our lives, our family at some point in life will pay the price. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And it's amazing how God lays this out. But in these chapters, we see the effects of compromise. God gives us that account. We turn over here, we get to the end of chapter 3. And already by the end of the third chapter, we see the plan of Haman for the annihilation of the nation of Israel. It just seemed like a little thing that Saul let slip by. He just saved the best of those people. He just saved the king and he killed everything else. But dear friend, that little seed, dear friend, that little slip up, what he thought was small, what he thought was insignificant, one day it reared its ugly head again and it poses a threat for the annihilation and the destruction of his entire people. I'm reminded the Word of God tells us that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Oh, may God help us to purge out the old leaven. And no doubt it's a missions meeting. And by God's grace, we're heading that direction as quick as we can. But dear friend, there's been a lot of good, solid, Bible-preaching, Bible-believing churches who had a heart for reaching the world with the gospel. But they let a little leaven slip in. They let some leaven in in their music. They let some leaven in in their Bible translation. They let some leaven in in the Sunday school lessons. And before you know it, dear friend, they said it's just a little bit. They said it's not that much. And look what we're doing. We're still giving more than anyone else around. I mean, we're doing more than any other church in our town. It's okay that we've compromised and let up a little bit here and a little bit there. And some of the evangelists that came by and preached at those churches, they said, well, look what they're doing for the things of God. I'm not going to go in and deal with that. Preacher, it's heartbreaking. But they ain't supporting nobody now because the doors are closed. And, and God who wrote Ichabog over on his house and, and the glory of God departed. And what man thought was just a little problem, not too bad, no big deal. We'll just serve God our way. Before you know it, dear friend, it was more than they could handle. And this little issue, you, re, you remove several generations. And what Saul thought he could just get away with doing, his, doing God's work his own way is now posing a threat of destruction and annihilation for his entire family and the people of Israel as a whole. We see in chapter 3 verse 13 the letters were sent. Haman is putting out this proclamation uh, into every province of the king. In verse 13 he said to destroy to kill and to cause to perish all the Jews, both young and old. 
and little children and women. And one day, even the 13th day of the month, which is Adar, and to take the spoil for a prey. Well, we've seen a lot of this stuff, dear friend, already taking place in the news over the past several weeks. But there's this letter goes out. And this letter, dear friend, this law that has been passed, it is 100% certain that every one of the nation of Israel will perish. There's no, you know, bypass. There's no workaround. There's no way to get around this law. Every one of the nation of Israel is affected directly by this commandment to kill Cause to put to death and to perish. You can continue reading. We won't for time's sake. But you can see how the cry around Sushan the palace and around the other areas uh, begins uh, to, to rise as the nation of Israel begin to mourn and weep over this law that has been passed. Over this condemnation that has been received. And, and we see Mordecai begins to weep himself and begins to rend his clothes. And, and he begins to pour his heart out to God. And in doing so, he begins to pour his heart out to Queen Esther. And oh my, I tell you, we could stop here and there's been a lot of good messages preached out of chapter 4. In chapter 3, we see the plan of the annihilation of Israel. Oh, but dear friend, in chapter 4, oh, we see access to the throne of the king. It just so happened, amen, it just so happened that the only one who could do anything about it, God had placed a young lady and she just happened to be married to the only one who could do anything about this law. She goes and Mordecai charges her. He gave her a command in chapter 8. He also gave, gave her a copy of the writing of the decree. Uh, rather in chapter 4 verse 8. And, and that was written in Shushan to destroy and to show it to Esther. And to declare unto her. And to charge her that she should go and bring it to the king. And make supplication unto him. And to make requests before him. For her people. Boy, I tell you, that sounds like the bedrock principles of intercessory prayer. To make supplication and make request for her people. Esther replies how that she hasn't been called before the king. And there's a great risk if she does so. She starts counting the cost and we should do that. God help us to not take missions flippantly or lightly. God help us to count the cost. There's been a lot of folks that, that failed to count the cost and they ended up shipwrecked because they didn't, they didn't reckon their life dead to Christ before they began to try to work for God. And that's something we have to do on a daily basis. But dear friend, if we're going to do something for God, there is a crucifying of the flesh. And, and Esther realizes there could be a potential drastic cost if she's to go before the king without his approval. We see Mordecai commands her in verse 13 of chapter 4. Think not within thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou in thy father's house shall be destroyed. And he asked her this question, Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now we're moving along, but we must stop here and just ask this simple question tonight. As Mordecai is reasoning with Esther, you see what he's telling her? He's reasoning with her and he's saying, You know, Esther, do you really and truly wholeheartedly believe that you're better than everyone else in your family? 
Do do you really believe that you are a a, a greater example of purity and godliness? I mean, do you really think there's something actually special about you that God has promoted you to this place of of rest and riches and and, and relationship? Do you really think that, or could it be that God has a purpose for you? Dear friend, there's plenty of times I must ask myself the same question and God forbid that any of us tonight would ever get the mindset that because we live in a land of freedom or because we live in a land, dear friend, of wealth and blessings untold and because we have more than the majority of other countries do, God forbid that we would ever think that we're just a different line and a different breed of Christians than everyone else is. You know, that's the farthest thing, is it not, from the truth? I mean, if we really think we're more dedicated than those in Africa and, and, and we just go down the list, Saudi Arabia, China, North Korea, dear friend, we're very, very, very miserably mistaken. But dear friend, here's the thing. On the, same, on the same side of things, God hasn't either called us to be, I mean, ashamed of that. God's placed us where He's placed us, not because we're better. He just places us here for such a time as this. And Mordecai begins to reason with Esther. He's saying, listen, God's given you wealth for a purpose. God's given you a place of influence for a purpose. And even if it costs you, God's put you there for that reason. Esther agrees. And she tells Mordecai to go back and tell the Jews that they must fast. Eat no bread and drink no water for three days. A dear friend of mine, Brother Matt Stallman, made the statement preaching out of this text a while back. He said, you know, if you go for three days without drinking water, you yourself, you are putting yourself at great physical and bodily harm. You're risking your own life. And this is what Esther was simply saying. She's saying, if you want me to go and risk everything, I expect those staying behind, you put some skin in the game. You ought to take some risk too. If I'm going to risk everything... Expect to be some help back on the home front. That's what Esther was saying. How many times have I been guilty of saying, well, man, I'll tell you, I'm glad God hasn't called me to Sudan. Glad God hasn't called me to fill in the blank. Dear friend, if, if God, and God has commissioned us to send folks to go, but if God's having us send folks to go, what are we risking back here to send them? Say, well, I give the mission. That's good. Well, I pray for, but I mean, have we really risked anything? Esther said, listen, if I'm going to risk, you're going to risk too. And she goes and does everything she can by God's grace. She gives her best. She really does. She goes before the king. And as we get to chapter 5 and we see Esther go in there and we see God granting her favor. I tell you, something to rejoice about tonight is you know, Esther really, it was a step of faith for her. She didn't know whether the king was going to accept her, whether he was going to hold out that golden scepter or not. Oh, I'm so glad tonight though that we have access to another throne. And that's the throne of grace. And by the grace of God, we can come boldly at any time. And we never have to wonder whether God's going to hold out that golden scepter. We never have to wonder. He's already made the way. The veil's been rent and the blood has been shed. God help us to stop making excuses for why we don't pray. She goes before the king and makes a request. I tell you, Brother Barnes, I'm ashamed at all the reasons my flesh comes up with not to pray. You know, our heart's pretty deceitful, isn't it? Oh, this is deceitful. God said, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I mean, she was, she was married to an earthly king, was she not? 
But dear friend, if you've been born again by the grace of God, we're part of the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. We have the promises of God. We ought, dear friend, not to let a day go by without taking the souls of those dying and going to hell back to the only one who can do something about their eternal destiny. And they begin to fast and to pray. But in chapter 6, chapter 4, we see the access to the throne that was given. But in chapter 6 and chapter 7, we see God's ability to save His people. I love chapter 6. You see, Haman, he got the plan. He's finally the last straw. He says, and you know what? I ain't going to wait until that command comes around. I'm just going to go kill Mordecai tonight. And you see, with the best that Esther could do, the best that Mordecai could do, it still wasn't enough to deliver their people. And that night as old Haman comes to get the king's permission to go ahead and just quickly destroy Mordecai. The Bible said in verse 1 of chapter 6, on that night cannot the king sleep. It's like God steps in right in the midst and they were rightfully doing everything that they could do. But dear friend, we see God's ability revealed that listen, we do have a responsibility but we have to remember that it's God's ability that can save a people, that can save a nation. And Brother Green, it's almost like God said, you know what, I I appreciate what you're doing. You're doing what I've asked you to do. It's almost like God said, listen, I mean, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but just in case you were wondering, it's it's not good enough. And even if you didn't do it, I still have the ability to save whether you never drew another breath or not. I tell you, dear friend, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think. And God help us uh, to move some of our focus on the material side of missions and to look to the eternal side of missions and to lift our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. David said, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He said, listen, I'm not trusting in my bow. I'm not trusting in my sword. He said, but I'm trusting in the living God. And dear friend, if the world is going to hear the gospel, if sinners are going to get saved, it's not because we came up with a new program. It's not because we quadruple our missions program. And those are good things. But it takes God if sinners are going to be delivered. And we see God steps in in the very moment when they needed Him the most. God's ability is revealed. Can you see the sigh of relief and the overwhelming joy as the Jews around Shisha in the palace woke up that next morning? And here's old Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And boy, I tell you, Brother Barnes, he wasn't happy, was he? Here he is leading Mordecai on the king's horse with the king's robe and the king's crown on his head. This is the man right here, the guy I was trying to kill last night. This is the man whom the king delights to honor. And dear friend, he made one lap around the city. I guarantee he didn't make two. And he headed back home. He was tore up out of the frame. It's amazing. Brother Chris told me this today. We were talking about this passage. And he said, it's amazing. The same woman, his wife, who told him to build the gallows was the same one who said, you're about ready to be destroyed when he got home the next night. He was listening to his wife. And uh, it's good to listen to your wife if she loves the Lord. Haman's wife didn't love the Lord. Can you, imagine the, can you imagine the nation of Israel as they realize, you know what? This ain't something that Mordecai did. Mordecai couldn't make this happen. I mean, I know Esther's the queen, but she hadn't talked to the king yet. 
She hasn't presented her supplication yet, Brother Grant. She hadn't done anything. All she's done is just go before him and try to set the stage and invite him to the banquet. But when God's hand was needed the most, God worked mightily and proved he's the one that gives the victory and brings salvation. Now, if y'all got just a few moments, chapter 8. Chapter 7, we see the, the adversary of the nation of Israel is executed. Haman gets hung on his own gallows. God did say, I will bless him that bless thee. And he also said, I will curse him that curseth thee. Oh my, it's a serious thing, is it not? But here in chapter 8, and we are done. This is just a long overview and a short thought. Verse 1 of chapter 8. Haman's already been killed. On that day, did King Azurius give the house of Haman the Jews' enemy unto Esther the queen. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was unto her. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther sent Mordecai over the house of Haman. Boy, I tell you, it's amazing how things have changed radically. And Esther spake yet again before the king. You see, it wasn't enough that her immediate family had been delivered. Most of us stop right there. Mom and daddy are in. Grandma and grandpa are in. Kids are in, thank God. That's all that matters. Family circle is not unbroken. And then God helped the family circle. Oh my, that it would not be broken. Eternity. Esther wasn't content with that though. She goes back to the king. And she fell down at his feet and besought him with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. And this is what she said in verse 6. She said, For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? You know, I, I believe that we've become so desensitized in this world we're living in. We can endure to see a lot of things. and don't even bother us anymore. I mean, we can watch the news. We can listen to folks curse God. We can see our nation on a collision path to destruction. We can see the fighting in the Middle East. We, can, we see all these things and we become desensitized. Esther said, I can't endure it. She said, I would be foolish. God's already worked once. Maybe it'll work again. God's already saved my immediate family. He spared my life, spared Mordecai's life. I'm going to go back to the king one more time. I mean, God's done a work here at home. Maybe God wants to do a greater work abroad. And verse 7, the king, Azurius said unto Esther, the queen, and to Mordecai, the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged upon the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written with the king's name, and sealed with the king's ring, may no man reverse. I like that. And, uh, amen. I'm glad, I'm glad I have some writing written by the king. Amen. I'm glad it's irreversible. Amen. No man can reverse it. This is what he said about that writing. Then were the king's scribes called... You know, for the past several thousand years, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, there were some scribes, some holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, did they not? And the king's scribes were called at that time in the third month. 
And skip down there in the verse that on the 3 and 20th day thereof it was written according to all that Mordecai had commanded. We're still in verse 9. Unto the Jews and the lieutenants and the deputies and the rulers of the provinces which were from India unto Ethiopia. A hundred and seven provinces. Now, if we look at this, we're talking about a wide scope of landmass, are we not? A hundred and 27 provinces. But look at this. This commandment is going to these provinces. But then God goes on to say in verse 9, unto every province according to the writing thereof and unto every people after their language and to the Jews according to their writing and according to their language. We see, dear friend, that this post that is getting ready to go out, this commandment, this new commandment, there was an old commandment earlier that was given that bring condemnation, but now there's a new commandment. This new commandment is going to bring life. This new commandment is going to bring redemption. This new commandment, dear friend, is going to bring liberty and joy. This new commandment is going to bring salvation. And God is making sure that everyone understands that this is for all the provinces. We're not leaving nothing out. This is not only for the call for all the provinces. It's for all the people. And it's for all the languages too. I mean, I see some, I see some translation committees getting started real fast. We better get this in for all the languages. This is life or death. And then it was to the Jews, according to their writing and according to their language. Now it's amazing how all of this had to do with the Jewish people and their salvation. But I tell you, it's amazing when you go after trying to reach Jewish folks, it's amazing how many non-Jewish folks you'll get reached in the process just trying to be good to God's people as earthly people. Brother Sasser was telling me earlier this year, preaching up in Pennsylvania, and I mean, an old rough fellow in the back of the church and ended up, the fellow was a neo-Nazi, brother. Came to hear Brother Sasser preach. And... um. Oh my, what an opportunity to preach the gospel to him. Oh my. There's a testimony in some way of his possible salvation before he died just a couple of days later. See, I mean, that, that fellow hated you, but I'm glad the gospel can go beyond these boundaries and these barriers. And this all had to do with the nation of Israel, but in the process of, of Israel being the focus here, God said, listen, it's every boundary, it's every language, it's every tongue. Everybody needs to hear this new covenant, this new commandment. And look what happens, and we're done. In verse 10, And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name. In case you were wondering, in verse 8 we see the king's authority is given. And he wrote in the king Ahasuerus' name, and he sealed it with the king's ring, and the letters were sent by post on horseback, and riders on mules, camels, and young dromedaries. Now, that first message that was sent out, it, it wasn't sent on all these different animals. God, God went into detail to let us know that this message, this new law, it needs to go out by horseback just as quick as it can. But there's some mules standing around, and we better send them too. There's some camels that'll go as fast, but they can go longer. Send the camels! Forget the young dromedaries. I know they're young. I know they're inexperienced. But if it has four legs, send it, send it, send it by the grace of God. 
You see, dear friend, there was an urgency. God said everything. I mean, dear friend, the king's commandment was urgent. And he said, listen, if it can move, send it. We've got to get the message out. Dear friend, whether it's a nursing home on Sunday afternoon or a street corner, dear friend, down in Chickamauga or different whether it's a jail or whether it's a tent out by the side of the road or whether it's preaching on the street. By God's grace, we have a responsibility, do we not? God said, I mean, send it all out. This is an urgent message. Can you see them horses, boy? Those, they're running. I mean, they're, they're making quick time, quick time. And them mules are coming along a little bit slower, but they're moving in the same direction. And the camels, they're going further. And those young, I mean, everybody had an opportunity in one way or another to get in and spread in the good news. Send it all. We sing that song, send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Dear friend, we don't have anything to be ashamed about tonight. We don't have anything, dear friend, to back down over. We, dear friend, have the greatest message, the greatest message that the world has ever heard. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on Calvary, paid the sin debt for the world. Dear friend, He He took the old covenant of condemnation. He took it on Himself. He bore my sin and your sin alike. Wounded for your transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. He was buried. He took our shame but He rose again the third day. According to the Scripture. Dear friend, He's alive forevermore. That old commandment, it brought destruction. And you know the Word of God tells us by the deeds of the law. No man's justified in his sight. But there's one more thing we see in verse 12 and verse 13. And a copy in verse 13 of the writing for the commandment to be given in every province to be published. Oh, I love that publishing. Unto all people. But in verse 14 he said, So the post that rode upon the mules and the camels went out. And here it is, being hastened. And pressed on by the king's commandment. Being hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. You see, dear friend, there's not only was there, was there action that had to be taken, they had to go. You'll never reach a world sitting on a church pew. You, you, we won't. I thank God for a church pew. You sit as many in dead services as sometimes we do. You're thankful for a church pew where people are praising God. and You can't reach a lost world from a church pew. Those old signs in the churches enter to worship and leave to serve. And dear friend, there was action required. They had to go. Some of them, I mean it was every problem. Some of them were nearby. Some of them were far off. But everybody had a part in going. And not only was there action, but we see this alarm. They were hastened and pressed on by the king's commandment. Here's the alarm. And it's simply this. There's already been a former commandment and a former law written. And you see, dear friend, the letter of condemnation in chapter 3 will stay in effect until the letter of redemption arrives. It doesn't matter. That Esther's risked it all. 
that God's worked in a marvelous way, that the king's responded, and that there has been liberty proclaimed, that has no account if the message of this new law and commandment doesn't make it there by the 13th day. That old commandment, dear friend, is just as much the law as the day it arrived until the new commandment is revealed. You see, the nation of Israel, they're still under the old commandment or they think they are. They don't recognize. They don't, many of them don't even know there's been a new covenant. A lost and religious world thinks that they can earn favor with God. They're trying to keep the old covenant. They don't realize, dear friend, that only brings destruction. God, help us to realize there's an urgency in getting, dear friend, the new law, the new commandment, the law of redemption to them. If those posts, that's why the king pressed them forward. That's why the king gave the commandment. They were hastened and pressed on. Dear friend, there was no looking back for these messengers. The king had given his commandment. Dear friend, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, 2,000 years ago before he left, did he not do the same thing? He said, go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. And dear friend, it's been 2,000 years, but by God's grace, may God raise up another generation that's hastened and pressed forward by the king's command. Because you see, dear friend, the good news, and you've heard it said many times, the gospel is only the good news if it gets there on time. If those messengers wait and waste their time, take a bunch of breaks by the side of the road, get cumbered about by the things of this life, oh, they'll get there at some point, but it'll be too late. Oh, it'll be too late. And I wonder tonight, I wonder personally how many times I've delayed in the publishing of the gospel message simply because I was too tired or too lazy or too consumed by the things of this life. I wonder how many times I allowed the gospel message to be hindered in my life going forward because I was worried and concerned about what others might think about me. I wasn't sure how I'd fit it in my budget. I wasn't sure how I'd fit it in my day. Dear friend, whenever things got settled back there at the palace, it was all hands on deck for the publishing of the salvation of the nation of Israel. And God said, don't leave anybody out. You can go on and read on in the book, chapter 9. God said many of the people of the land became Jews just because of the fear of the nation of Israel. They said, hey, listen, if God can do that for them, well, maybe that's the real God. Maybe that is the real way to heaven. And that gospel went forward, and God worked in a mighty way. But dear friend... Sinners are dying tonight. They're perishing. All they have is the law of condemnation. And I wonder, am I doing my best? Am I doing what I can? Am, am I really? Am I doing my best for Jesus? You know, Paul wrote about, wrote about them folks that they went way beyond their best. They, they gave way beyond. Am I doing what I cannot? And only God can help us do that. Only God can press us to go forward. Only God can burn that urgency in our heart. 
Dear friend, only God can give us the faith to take a step and say, God, I'm willing to sacrifice if it means staying home and sacrificing, if it means going somewhere else and sacrificing. But God, I will have my part by your grace, wherever it is, in telling the good news that there is salvation. You don't have to die without hope. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we know time's running out. You said it was. And Lord, we'd be foolish to think that we have a whole bunch of time left. Lord, I pray, God, that you would burn an urgency in my heart. Lord, not to take for granted, Father, another day, another hour. Lord, you have a different place for each of us to serve. Father, will you help us, Lord, to put our hands to the plow and not look back for the glory of God. In Jesus' name.